The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com. Live from the Bloomberg Interactive Brokers Studios, this is Bloomberg Daybreak for Wednesday, November 9th, 2022. Coming up this hour. A mixed midterm verdict from voters. Republicans head toward a slimmer House majority than expected. John Fetterman beats Mehmet Oz in the key Pennsylvania Senate race. Georgia may be headed for a Senate runoff between Raphael Warnock and Herschel Walker. And in New York, Kathy Hochul defeats Lee Zeldin in the race for governor. A closer look at the local election results in the tri-state area. Plus, North Korea has fired a suspected ballistic missile. I'm Michael Barr. More ahead. I'm John Stashauer in sports. A third period rally for the Islanders to beat the Rangers. The Devils won again. The Knicks play the Nets tonight. That's all straight ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak on Bloomberg 1130 New York. Bloomberg 99.1 Washington, D.C. Bloomberg 106.1 Boston. Bloomberg 960 San Francisco. Sirius XM 119. And around the world on BloombergRadio.com and via the Bloomberg Business app. Good morning, I'm Nathan Hager. And I'm Karen Moscow. U.S. stock index futures are lower this morning, and we check the markets after the midterms with S&P futures down about 8 points, Dow futures down 92, and NASDAQ futures down 20, 10-year Treasury down 230 seconds, yield 4.13%. Nathan. Oh, yes, Karen, it is all about the midterm elections this morning. While the GOP has made gains in the House, control of the Senate still hangs in the balance. Amy Morris begins our team coverage from the Bloomberg 99.1 newsroom in Washington. Democrats are keeping the balance of power in the House closer than anticipated. As for the Senate, it might be a while longer before the results are clear. We do know Democrat John Fetterman defeated Trump-backed Mehmet Oz for the Senate seat from Pennsylvania. With 50 percent of the vote, Oz got 47.6 percent. I never expected that we were going to turn these red counties blue. But we did what we needed to do. Georgia may be headed for a runoff. Democrat Raphael Warnock with a slight edge over Trump-backed Herschel Walker, 49.4% to 48.6%. And the count was delayed in Arizona after tabulation machines went down. Democrat Mark Kelly currently holds a lead over Republican Blake Masters, 56 to 41%. And Nevada is expected to go uncalled until later in the week because of delays from counting mail-in ballots. In Washington, I'm Amy Morris, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Amy, thank you. Well, taking a look at some other key Senate races, Trump-backed Republican J.D. Vance defeated Democrat Tim Ryan for Ohio's Senate. He won with 53 percent of the vote. New Hampshire Democrat Maggie Hassan beat Republican Don Bolduck for that state's open Senate seat with 54 percent of the vote. Colorado Democrat Michael Bennett got 55 percent of the vote to keep his Senate seat over Republican Joe Odea. And North Carolina Republican Ted Budd edged out Sherry Beasley with nearly 51 percent of votes. Meantime, in Wisconsin, the race too close to call. Republican Senator Ron Johnson leads Democrat Mandela Barnes 50.6% to 49.4%. That's with 98% of the vote counted. And we have results from a handful of races for governor as well, Karen. Let's begin in New York, where Democrat Kathy Hochul has defeated Republican Lee Zeldin. Bloomberg's Michael Barr continues our election team coverage live in New York. Michael? Thank you very much, Nathan. Democrat Kathy Hochul has become the first woman elected New York governor, winning the office outright. 
Hochul took over in 2021 when former Governor Andrew Cuomo resigned. Hochul defeated Lee Zeldin, who ran a campaign focused on fear of violent crime. She thanked supporters last night. I want to speak directly to New Yorkers. Tonight, you made your voices heard loud and clear. Hochul got nearly 53% of the vote. Zeldin received just over 47%. However, Zeldin is not conceding. In other races called by AP for the Senate, Chuck Schumer beat Republican challenger Joe Pinion 56% to 43%. In Connecticut, incumbent Democratic Governor Ned Lamont beat Republican challenger Robert Stefanowski 55% to 44%. U.S. Senator Richard Blumenthal won his re-election over Republican Leora Levy 56% to 44%. In New York, Michael Barr, Bloomberg Radio. Karen, Nathan. All right, Michael, thank you. Well, a pair of governors who have eyes on the White House were victorious last night. Republican Ron DeSantis in Florida and Democrat Gavin Newsom in California both handily won re-election. DeSantis beat Democratic challenger Charlie Crist, garnering 60% of the vote in Florida. I believe the survival of the American experiment requires a revival of true American principles. Florida has proved that it can be done. And that victory speech from DeSantis did not mention Donald Trump or speculation that he'll run for president. In California, Newsom easily defeated his Republican challenger, Brian Dolly, with almost 60% of the vote. Overall, Karen, there were 36 races for governor this year. Let's get more on those highlights now live from Bloomberg's John Tucker. Good morning, John. And Nathan, Democrats pulled out wins in some key states. In Michigan, Democrat Gretchen Whitmer defeating Republican Tudor Dixon with 53% of the vote. Democrat Josh Shapiro won in Pennsylvania, beating Republican Doug Mastriano with 55% of the vote. Wisconsin incumbent Democrat Governor Tony Evers got 51% of the votes to win over Republican Tim Michaels. Colorado's Democratic Governor Jared Polis garnered 57% of the vote to defeat Republican Heidi Ganell. In New Mexico, Democrat Michelle Lujan Grisham beat Republican Mark Ranchetti with 52% of the votes. Illinois Governor J.B. Pritzker defeated Trump-backed Republican Darren Bailey with 54% of the vote. In Georgia, Republican Governor Brian Kemp got 53% of the vote to beat Democrat Stacey Abrams. And finally, a key governor's race yet to be decided in Arizona. Democrat Katie Hobbs currently leads Trump-backed Republican Carrie Lake 51.3% to 48.7%. Just under 61% of votes have been counted so far. Karen Nathan. All right, John, thank you. Well, overall, it was a historic night at the polls. More women than ever ran for governor, more black women ran for Congress, and more LGBTQ people vied for a spot in the House or Senate. As we mentioned before, Kathy Hochul became the first woman elected governor in New York, and Massachusetts' Maura Healey will be the first woman elected to serve as that state's governor, and Democrat Wes Moore will be Maryland's first black governor. And Republican Sarah Huckabee Sanders has become the first woman elected to serve as governor of Arkansas. Abortion rights are on the ballot in several states as well, Karen. California Michigan and Vermont all voted to enshrine the right to abortion in their constitutions. On the flip side, Kentucky and Montana have measures on the ballot to limit abortion access. Votes on those initiatives are still too close to call. Currently, 52.5% of voters in Kentucky have said not to limit abortion access, with 86% of the vote counted. The trend is similar in Montana, where nearly 53% voted not to limit abortions. Just 73% of votes are counted there. And in the interest of transparency, we should note that Michael R. Bloomberg, the majority owner of Bloomberg Radio, parent Bloomberg LP, was a major donor to Democratic candidates and causes this election cycle. Straight ahead, your latest local headlines, plus a check of sports. And this is Bloomberg. 
Thanks again, Karen. It is uh, 607 on Wall Street. We're at 40 degrees in Central Park. Michael Barr is back with what else is going on in New York and around the world, Michael? Thank you very much, Nathan. Taking a look at other local races and results, Republican Tom Kane won the House race in New Jersey's 7th Congressional District, beating Democratic incumbent Tom Malinowski. Kane got 52% of the vote. Kane, a former state senator, narrowly lost to Malinowski in a 2020 House race. Also in New Jersey, Democrat Mikey Sherrill won another term in the U.S. House, beating the GOP's Tom DeGroote. Sherrill received 58%. Democratic Representative Josh Gottheimer beat Republican challenger Frank Pallotta. Gottheimer received more than 54% of the vote. Taking a look now at more races in New York, Republican Nicole Maliotakis has won re-election to the House in New York's 11th Congressional District after defeating Max Rose. She gave a victory speech to her supporters last night. We're representing a hard-working, tax-paying American citizen in Staten Island and Southern Brooklyn that just wasn't getting a fair shake. We're representing the senior citizen about to retire who looked at their 401k and saw how it was evaporating. Perhaps they weren't able to retire. Or the senior had to return to the workforce just to make ends meet. Maliotakis got 62% of the vote. Democrat Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez has won another House term easily, beating her Republican opponent Tina Forte with more than 70% of the vote. Some House races in New York are too close to call. Republican Marcus Molinaro and Democrat Josh Riley are in a tight race for New York's 19th district, separated by just 1.2%. Molinaro is currently in the lead. Republican Michael Lawler is slightly ahead of Democrat Sean Patrick Maloney in the 17th district. They are separated by just 8 tenths of a percent. In Connecticut, it is too close to call for the House seat between Democratic incumbent Johanna Hayes and Republican George Logan with 95% counted. It's Hayes 51% to Logan at 49%. There is another story that is important that we have to tell you about. North Korea fired a short-range ballistic missile toward waters off its east coast today. According to Japan, the missile flew about 250 kilometers. It apparently landed outside of Japan's exclusive economic zone, and there have been no reports of damage. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr, and this is Bloomberg. Nathan. Thanks, Michael. 610 on Wall Street. Time for the Bloomberg Sports Update brought to you by Tri-State Audi. Here's John Stasher. All right, Nathan. There are three New York area hockey teams. Two are hot. The Rangers are not. Blue Shirts lost their third in a row at the Garden. The Islanders rallied for three third period goals to win four to three. And they've now won seven of their last eight. The Devils have won all of their last seven. A division leading 10 and three. A 3-2 home win over Calgary. And the Devils doing this without goalie McKenzie Blackwood. He's going to miss three to six weeks, knee injury, and their big off-season pickup, Andre Palat, is out eight to ten weeks, injured groin. Knicks and Nets tonight at Barclays, first meeting of the season. The Kyrie Irving suspension continues. Irving met yesterday with NBA Commissioner Adam Silver. It was said to have been a productive meeting. Just as Jacob DeGrom made his free agency official, the Mets are said to have begun talks with his agent. Anthony Rizzo may stick with the Yankees. They tendered him a qualifying offer so he could stay. He'd make about $19.5 million. If he leaves as a free agent, Yanks would get a draft pick compensation. 
College football playoff committee's top four this week. Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan, TCU. All four 9-0. Tennessee lost to Georgia, fell from first down to fifth. Alabama lost at LSU and dropped to ninth. And Clemson lost at Notre Dame and went from third down to tenth. Indianapolis Colts just made the coaching change, and now they have said that 30-year-old Parks Frazier will call the plays Sunday. He was the assistant QB coach. He's never before called plays. John Stashdower, Bloomberg Sports. Nathan? John, this red headline just crossed the Bloomberg Terminal. Facebook parent Meta Platforms confirms more than 11,000 job cuts and a hiring freeze through the first quarter. Meta shares up 3.4% in early trading. This is Bloomberg. Bloomberg Sports is brought to you by Audi. Don't let someone else drive off in the Audi model you've always wanted. Visit your local tri-state Audi dealer to get behind the wheel of yours today or visit AudiOffers.com for more information. Markets, headlines, and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business app, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow, and we are watching shares of Facebook parent Meta Platforms this morning. They are currently up about 3% in early trading. Chief Executive Mark Zuckerberg saying the company will cut more than 11,000 jobs in the first major round of layoffs in the social media giant's history. The reductions equal about 13% of the workforce. Meanwhile, futures are now little changed following the midterms. S&P futures, again, little changed. Dow futures down 65, and NASDAQ futures, little changed. The DAX in Germany is down about half percent. Ten-year Treasury down 230 seconds, yield 4.13 percent, and the yield on the two-year 4.66 percent. NYMEX crude oil is down half percent or 45 cents at $88.46 a barrel. COMEX gold down two tenths percent or $3 at $17.12 80 an ounce. The euro 1.0059 against the dollar. British pound 1.1462. The yen 145.61. And Bitcoin is down more than 5 percent at 17000 That's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Now here's Michael Barr with more on what's going on around the world. Michael. Thank you very much, Karen. Many votes are still being counted from Tuesday's midterm elections, but Republicans are still favorites to take back the House. Speaking at an election night event in Washington, D.C., House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy was very confident. Thank you to everyone who voted Republican for the very first time. Democrat John Fetterman will be the next senator from Pennsylvania, beating his Republican opponent, Dr. Mehmet Oz. Fetterman addressed supporters in Pittsburgh overnight, describing his campaign six months after he suffered a stroke. This campaign has always been about fighting for everyone who's ever been got knocked down that ever got back up. Democrat Kathy Hochul has become the first woman elected New York governor, winning the office outright. Hochul took over in 2021 when former Governor Andrew Cuomo resigned. Hochul defeated Republican Congressman Lee Zeldin, who ran a campaign focused on fear of violent crime. In Texas, Governor Greg Abbott fended off a challenge from Democrat Beto O'Rourke. Governor Abbott addressed supporters, pointing to border security as one of the main issues driving votes in his state. Abbott also says we must never forget our schools are for education, not indoctrination. 
Global News, 24 hours a day, on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts, more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr, and this is Bloomberg. Nathan. Thank you, Michael. It's 620 on Wall Street, live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studios. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. And for more post-election analysis, we're joined live by Wendy Schiller, director of the Taubman Center for American Politics and Policy at Brown University. Professor, it's always great to speak with you, particularly after an election day. And I think we heard from Republican Senator Lindsey Graham last night saying this doesn't look like a red wave to me. What did this election look like to you, Professor? Good morning, Nathan. Um, it looked, uh, people are going to find this surprising, uh, like a pretty normal midterm election uh, because in midterm elections, people take their, you know, anger, frustration against the party of the White House, whoever, you know, owns the White House, and they go and they're mobilized to vote to sort of send a signal saying, we don't like what you've done and we want you to change. What's interesting here is that so many of these races depended on individual candidates and really were state-specific. So you saw in places where governors did well, sometimes they lifted up the Senate candidate. I think you make that argument in Pennsylvania with Fetterman and Josh Shapiro who ran for governor. You know, he kind of, he, he won big. And I think that had to have helped Fetterman. Even in our little state of Rhode Island, we had a governor that won by a much bigger margin than people expected. And the Democrat eked out a victory in the congressional district where he was expected to lose based on polling. So some really traditional electoral dynamics at play here. Party machine organization turnout, um, and individual co- candidate quality. Uh, so given the inflation numbers and the perception that the economy is bad or that it will get bad, you know, that's something else we can talk about, mm-hmm. um, you would have expected the Republicans to do better. And in some cases, it looks like either the individual candidate or the reputation for what the Republicans would do once they captured Congress got in their way last night. Now, it's interesting that you frame this as a normal midterm election result, because I think we've talked before about the last few election cycles. You think about uh, former President Donald Trump, former President Barack Obama, two years into the, their terms. Uh, former President Obama at the time called the result against the Democrats then a shellacking. We didn't get that this time. No, I, but but think about that. You know, you're mentioning really key points in political history for the United States plus 1994. Of course, Newt Gingrich's big victory capturing the House and the Senate. Um, but those are somewhat those are big, big midterm election waves. And so this this I mean, you you would think that the Republicans should have done better, uh, and they they're probably going to win the control of the House, but not by a lot. And we know that when majorities have narrow uh, when parties have narrow majorities, it's tough to govern and tough to get things done. Uh, and you embolden some wing of the party, left or right. So that's going to be a tough road for McCarthy. Uh, and so you look at it. And, but what I mean by normal, I mean the fundamentals of American politics. And, you know, the idea of democracy dying. Some people are very concerned about voting rights and turnout. Uh, and we saw that for the, for the majority of election deniers at the highest level, we still have to wait for um, Arizona, you know, yeah. they were rejected by voters. So yeah. I think that's a really important thing. And big and- turnout. Right. And we are still waiting for a concession as well from uh, Republican Lee Zeldin, who was backed by uh, former President Trump in New York. And you mentioned the race in Arizona as well. Do you have any lingering concerns that we could see a fight over election integrity in some of those closely watched races? 
Uh, sure. I mean, I think where we won't see that is Georgia. There may be lawsuits, but we've seen Kemp and Raffensperger as a team before in 2020, um, most certainly defending the system. And so since Kemp won by a big margin, I, I can't see I can't see Georgia being nearly as contested. But Arizona, uh, you know, looks very dicey, I think, in that respect. And, and Democrats had a bad night in other ways. They had made a lot of gains in Nevada over the years in terms of their, their voting strength. It looks like those gains have disappeared. Um, it looks like that both the Senate and the governor's seat are going to go Republican. We don't know quite yet. And Arizona has always been sort of a deep red state and sort of purple, and now it looks like it's sliding back to red. So I think there are a lot of races in, in those pickup states, I think, for Democrats recently in presidential elections look much dicier for 2024. On the other hand, Michigan held their governorship for the Democrats and Wisconsin and Pennsylvania. Uh, and, you know, that, that tells you something about just how contested American politics is. And rather than being depressed about polarization. Uh, we can also look at it saying that we're vibrant, we're competitive, and for the most part, most of the electoral results will be accepted peacefully. And I think that's a very key takeaway uh, from this election. Now we're speaking with Wendy Schiller, the director of the Taubman Center for American Politics and Policy at Brown University in Rhode Island. You know, uh, the morning after any election, Professor, we think about uh, what the mandate is for either party. When we have this kind of narrow result for Republicans and a better than expected result uh, for Democrats, even if they go into a, a divided government here, what is the mandate for either party? I think the mandate uh, comes from looking at independent voters and how they swing. Visit ibkr.com slash interest rates to learn more. Up first, Republicans made gains in the House this midterm election cycle, but control of the Senate hangs in the balance. Democrats flipped a key Senate race in Pennsylvania with Democrat John Fetterman defeating Republican Mehmet Oz. This campaign has always been about fighting for everyone who's ever been got knocked down that ever got back up. And Democrat John Fetterman, who has been recovering from a stroke, won with 50.1% of the vote. In Ohio, Karen, Republican J.D. Vance defeated Democrat Tim Ryan for a Senate seat, garnering 53% of the vote. Democrat Maggie Hassan got 54% to win New Hampshire's Senate seat over Republican Don Bolduc. Meanwhile, Wisconsin, uh, Wisconsin's too close to call. Republican Senator Ron Johnson leads Democratic challenger Mandela Barnes with 50.6%. And it's still too close to call as well in Georgia with Democratic Senator Raphael Warnock leading Republican Herschel Walker with 49 percent of the vote. Well, in New York, Nathan, Democrat Kathy Hochul was elected governor with just under 53 percent of votes. You made me the first woman ever elected to be the governor of the state of New York. And New York Democrat Kathy Hochul defeated Republican Lee Zeldin, who has not conceded the race. In Connecticut, Karen Democratic Governor Ned Lamont won 55 percent to beat Republican Bob Stefanowski. Democratic Senator Richard Blumenthal beat Republican Leora Levy with 56 percent. In Florida, Nathan, Republican Ron DeSantis defeated Democrat Charlie Crist. I am honored by your support, and I look forward to the road ahead. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis secured close to 60 percent of votes, and California Governor Gavin Newsom handily beat Republican challenger Brian Dolly, garnering 58 percent of votes. And the Democrats won other governor's races. Karen Michigan's Gretchen Whitmer defeated Republican Tudor Dixon with 53 percent. In Pennsylvania, Democrat Josh Shapiro beat Republican Doug Mastriano with 55 percent of votes. And Wisconsin's Democratic Governor Tony Evers won over Republican Tim Michaels, garnering 51 percent of the vote.
And Arizona's governorship is not decided, Nathan. Democrat Katie Hobbs leads Trump-backed Republican Carrie Lake. The tally there, 51 percent to 49 percent. And we want to tell you this in the interest of transparency. Michael R. Bloomberg, majority owner of Bloomberg Radio, parent company Bloomberg LP, was a major donor to Democratic candidates this election cycle. And that's the five things you need to know to start your day. Brought to you by Interactive Brokers. But we're also going to add that Meta Platforms, that's the parent company of Facebook, has confirmed job cuts of about 13% and let more than 11,000 of employees go. CEO Mark Zuckerberg is also saying that they're cutting discretionary spending and extending the hiring freeze through the first quarter. And we're looking at Meta Platforms in early trading this morning. It is up 3.3% right now. Looking at futures this morning, uh, they're a little change now. S&P futures, NASDAQ futures, both little change. Dow futures still lower, down about 70. Ten-year Treasury down 132nd, yield 4.13%, and the yield in the two-year, 4.66%. And NYMEX crude oils down 7 tenths of a percent. Straight ahead, your latest local headlines, plus a check of sports. And this is Bloomberg. Thank you, Karen. 633 on Wall Street, 40 degrees in Central Park. Got a crash-blocking lane on the westbound Belt Parkway at Lefferts Boulevard. Michael Barr is back with more on what's happening in New York and around the world. Good morning, Michael. Good morning, Nathan. Taking a look at other local race results in New Jersey, Republican Tom Kane won the House race in New Jersey's 7th Congressional District, beating Democratic incumbent Tom Malinowski. Kane got 52% of the vote. Kane, a former state senator, narrowly lost to Malinowski in a 2020 House race. Democrat Mikey Sherrill won another term in the U.S. House, beating the GOP's Tom DeGroote. Sherrill received 58%. Democratic Representative Josh Gottheimer beat Republican challenger Frank Pallotta. Gottheimer received more than 54% of the vote. Taking a look now at more races in New York, Republican Nicole Maliotakis has won re-election to the House in New York's 11th Congressional District after defeating Max Rose. She gave a victory speech to her supporters last night. We're representing a hard-working, tax-paying American citizen in Staten Island and Southern Brooklyn that just wasn't getting a fair shake. We're representing the senior citizen about to retire who looked at their 401k and saw how it was evaporating. Perhaps they weren't able to retire. Or the senior had to return to the workforce just to make ends meet. Nelly Atak has got 62% of the vote. Democrat Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez wins another U.S. House term, easily beating a Republican opponent, Tina Forte, with more than 70%. Democrat Hakeem Jeffries beat his GOP challenger, Yuri Deveshki, with more than 72% of the vote for the House. Some House races in New York are too close to call. Republican Marcus Molinaro and Democrat Josh Riley are in a tight race for New York's 19th District, separated by just 1.2%. Molinaro is currently in the lead. Republican Michael Lawler is slightly ahead of Democrat Sean Patrick Maloney in the 17th District. They are separated by just eight-tenths of a percent. In Connecticut, it is too close to call for the House seat between Democratic incumbent Johanna Hayes and Republican George Logan. With 95% counted, it's Hayes 51% to Logan at 49. In other news outside of elections, South Korea's military says North Korea fired a short-range ballistic missile toward waters off its east coast today. According to Japan's defense minister, the missile flew about 155 miles 
It apparently landed outside of Japan's exclusive economic zone, and there have been no reports of damage. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr, and this is Bloomberg. Nathan. Appreciate it, Michael. Thank you. 6.36 on Wall Street. Time for the Bloomberg Sports Update, brought to you by Tri-State Audi with John Stashauer. All right, Nathan. Knicks and Nets tonight at Barclays. Knicks come in 5-5. Five and five. That's 4-7. and 2-1 since the Kyrie Irving suspension that has at least two more games to go, maybe longer since the Nets laid down those six requirements that Irving must meet before the suspension is lifted, although the Celtics' Jalen Brown, who is the VP of the Players Association, said the union is going to appeal what the Nets are doing. Irving did meet yesterday with NBA Commissioner Adam Silver. It was termed productive. There's nothing new on the Nets' reported plans to hire Ime Udoka as their new coach. He's currently suspended by the Celtics. There has been criticism of the Nets if they did indeed hire Udoka. They could be having second thoughts. Jacques Vaughn is the interim coach for now. At the Garden, third period rally by the Islanders. They beat the Rangers 4-3. to Brock Nelson, the tying goal, and then Anders Lee, the go-ahead goal. And the Isles have won seven of the last eight. Devils have won seven in a row. A Nico Hischler goal, third period to beat Calgary 3-2. Odell Beckham Jr. hasn't played this season, said to have now recovered from the torn ACL he suffered while playing for the Rams in last year's Super Bowl. There's been talk of a possible return to the Giants, but Cowboys owner Jerry Jones said Beckham would look great with a star on his helmet. Bloomberg Sports. Nathan? John, thank you. 637 on Wall Street. Let's take a look at uh, stocks, some of the names moving in the pre-market this morning after Election Day. We're joined by Bloomberg TV anchor and markets correspondent Danny Berger. Of course, we're not just looking at election results, Danny. We're watching the continued big tech layoff bloodbath. Now we got meta platforms confirming big job cuts coming. Yeah, exactly. It's it's about 13% of the workforce. That's over 11,000 jobs. Um, and this comes off the back of roughly two weeks ago, meta results that were much weaker than expected. Shares have been down a lot. So I should say um, shares are up almost 3% this morning, and it does come as just sentiment is so negative around them. So you know, any bit of positive news, if you can call this positive, um, is likely to account for a pop. Um, Speaking of accounting, it was remarkable, uh, Zuckerberg, in this statement when he announces these job cuts to apologize. He writes, I know this is tough for everyone, and I'm especially sorry to those impacted. I want to take accountability for those decisions and for how we got here. So some major cost-cutting going on with, again, uh, letting go of about 11,000 folks. And it's really, again, just big tech grappling with the fact that their model needs to change. It's no longer growth at any cost. They're getting slimmer and focusing on profitability. To some extent, I wonder if we could sort of say the same thing about Disney after the earnings there and thinking about whether the streaming model needs to Mm. change. Well, for them, I mean, I think we can absolutely see some parallels there because they're also talking after last night results that fell short of expectations. Um, Disney talking about looking at reducing expenses, not necessarily firing people, but, you know, reducing expenses does sometimes lead to that. Um, But looking at things like marketing, um, perhaps pulling back on spending there. So, um Larger programming, they had a lot of expenses when it came to that, the cost of a global expansion of Disney Plus. So all of that meant that there were more than expected losses at the 
companies direct to consumer arm. Theme parks, that was also weaker. So all of that came together um, to punish Disney shares. They are currently down about 7.5% pre-market. Only about 30 seconds left here, and I hate to put you on the spot, Dan, but can you help me understand this Binance FTX thing? All right. Don't think I can do it in 30 seconds, but I'll give my best shot. FTX, liquidity crunch. So Binance, another exchange, comes over, say that they're going to rescue them. They're going to take them over. But the main story here is just fears that crypto is very vulnerable. There could be meltdowns. There could be contagion. So all of those crypto stocks under pressure this morning. You stuck the landing. Thank you, Danny. As always, Bloomberg TV anchor, markets correspondent, Danny Berger, keeping on top of those individual movers for us this morning. Looking ahead to the market open this morning after the election, investors uh, might still be digesting the results here. We've got mixed action right now with S&P futures down just three points, so little change. Dow futures down 70. NASDAQ futures now swinging between gains and losses right now. Little change to the downside. The 10-year Treasury is down 230 seconds, yield 4.13%. Much more midterm analysis next with Bloomberg Washington correspondent Joe Matthew. This is Bloomberg. Bloomberg Sports brought to you by Audi. Don't let someone else drive off in the Audi model you've always wanted. Visit your local tri-state Audi dealer to get behind the wheel of yours today or visit AudiOffers.com for more information. Markets, headlines, and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business app, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow. We continue to watch shares of meta platforms at more than 3.5%. Chief Executive Mark Zuckerberg saying the company is going to cut more than 11,000 jobs in the first major round of layoffs in the social media giant's history. U.S. stock index futures, meanwhile, they've been jumping around a bit. S&P futures now down about five points. Dow futures down 83. And NASDAQ futures, little change. The DAX in Germany is down half percent. Ten-year Treasury, little change. Yield 4.12%. And the yield on the two-year, 4.66%. Nymex crude oil is down eight tenths percent or seventy five cents at eighty eight fifteen a barrel. Comex gold down a quarter percent or four dollars at seventeen twelve an ounce. The euro is at one point zero zero five seven against the dollar. British pound one point one four six two. The yen one forty five point six six. And bitcoins falling down five and a half percent at seventeen thousand six hundred fifty dollars. That's a Bloomberg business flash. Now here's Michael Barr with more on what's going on around the world. Michael. Karen, thank you very much. Control of Congress hangs in the balance as Democrats have shown surprising strength, defeating Republicans in a series of competitive races. Democrat John Fetterman flipped a Republican-controlled Senate seat that is key to the party's hopes of maintaining control of the chamber. It is too early to call critical Senate races in Wisconsin, Nevada, Georgia, and Arizona, which could determine the majority. In the House, Democrats kept seats in districts from Virginia to Kansas to Rhode Island. However, House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy believes the GOP will take control. In Texas, Governor Greg Abbott fended off a challenge from Democrat Beto O'Rourke. Governor Abbott addressed supporters pointing to border security as one of the main issues driving votes in his state. Where and if Congress falls short, Texas must continue our unprecedented efforts to secure our border. Abbott also says we must never forget our schools are for education, not for indoctrination. Democrat Letitia James has been elected to a second term as New York's Attorney General. 
an office she has used to pursue former President Donald Trump and a list of other powerful targets. James defeated Republican Michael Henry, a Queens lawyer who was endorsed by various police unions. Voters in Battleground, Michigan, have enshrined abortion rights in the state constitution, joining Democratic California and Vermont on election night. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts, more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg Nathan. Okay, Michael, thanks. Here we are live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studios. We're at 649 on Wall Street. It is time to check what's going on in D.C., as it always is, but particularly after a a midterm election, it is particularly apt to do just that. So let's check in with Joe Matthew, our Washington correspondent, host of Sound On on Bloomberg Radio this morning after that red wave didn't quite materialize for Republicans, Joe. I saw the the, the hashtag red trickle trending mm. right around the time I attempted to go to sleep, which hasn't really happened yet. But, yeah, that does seem to be uh, the, the, the narrative coming out of the night. And I do want to just sort of warn everybody that there's a lot of stuff that has not been called yet. It is looking like the House will turn Republican. But, yeah, not really in a wave. Projections of Dems losing, you know, 20, 30, 40 seats does not seem to be in the cards here, and Virginia is a pretty good example of that. Some of the the uh, the cross currents that we saw last evening, a win for Abigail Spanberger, a race that we spent a lot of time talking about, beat Yesley Vega in the seventh district. This was considered a bellwether for the nation, and we added another one as well in Jennifer Wexton. That's the tenth district of Virginia, northern Virginia, D.C. suburbs, beat the Republican hung cow. But there 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 were some losses as well, a, a pretty big one, in fact. As Elaine Luria, uh, the congresswoman on the January 6th committee, lost her seat to state senator Jen Kiggin. So two out of three ain't bad, I think, is the way Democrats look at this. And that is a bit of a model for the nation. Well, what is the message that Democrats take away from this? Would they have a little bit better result than they expected? And Republicans do look like they're going to be heading toward a narrower majority in the House than a lot of the pundits had expected, Joe. Well, it's a little bit difficult to start the postmortems yet because we have so much yet to learn. There's there's still so many races to call. We don't really know what's going to happen with the Senate. But I do think, you know, look, it's not going to be a reckoning for pollsters necessarily, but we have to come to grips with the fact that we're not sampling uh, people the way that we need to be. And a lot of that could be young people who were motivated by issues that went beyond the scope of the economy and inflation and so forth. And so we saw, uh, you know, there, there, there was some uh, mobilization around issues like abortion, like cannabis rights that was on the ballot in a number of states. And the Senate is still up in the air here. It, it could be a month before we find out who controls the chamber. So we want to be tempered in the, in our, our attempts to analyze what happened last night. Arizona is still up in the air. Nevada is still up in the air. And Nathan, so is Georgia. And right now, Raphael Warnock and Senator, uh, and, and Herschel Walker, both have less than 50 percent. It is entirely likely that goes to a runoff. So we could, in fact, wait a month before we know who owns the Senate. You know, in the last few years, Joe, there's been such a tendency to sort of nationalize these races when we think about control of Congress, that sort of thing. Did this come down to more local issues in this cycle? It, again, a little bit difficult to say. There, look, there was a lot of crossover in, in major issues across uh, a lot of congressional districts here. And, you know, I don't want to take away from what was actually a pretty good night, apparently, for Democrats here and a message from Joe Biden in the midst of historic inflation and a war in Europe. I don't need to go through this whole list for you here uh, that that, you know, maybe some of the other uh, 
approaches on the Republican side, particularly candidates who were embracing denialism and, and did not accept the results of the 2020 election. Take a look at Carrie Lake out in Arizona. A lot of thought, people thought she would cruise to victory. She is still down in a race that is not called down by at least a full percentage point, And she was calling for election fraud investigations before the race even closed here. So there is a lot for us to figure out and a lot of voters to talk to to understand what actually motivated them to vote. Yeah. And, uh, you know, not to uh, get too far ahead, but actually I'm, I'm about to because Ron DeSantis <laughs> had a really good night uh, beating uh, yeah. Charlie Crist handily in Florida. Arguably, former President Donald Trump, who we're still expecting to make some kind of announcement next week, did not have as good a night. What's the landscape for 24? That's fair to say. I Look, and I don't know if that gives Ron DeSantis an upper hand in a race like that. It's very unclear that he could beat Donald Trump, for instance, in a primary. It's unclear Donald Trump scares him away if he does, in fact, uh, announce next week. But, you know, it, it was not lost on us that people in the crowd at the DeSantis victory rally were chanting two more years Yeah, as he took victory, uh, the big victory lap last night, because a lot of them would love to see him go on to Washington and be the president. Uh, this is going to take some time here. As Donald Trump calls him Ron DeSanctimonious, they clearly don't love each other here and realize that they may, in fact, uh, be in a contest someday or might, you know, block one or the other out here. I, I just... I think that one's going to take some time. But that's part of the motivation, Nathan, of Donald Trump announcing as early as next week. His hope is to clear the field. Only about a minute left here, Joe. And, of course, market participants are trying to digest these results as we're still trying to figure out exactly what they're going to be. What are you going to be looking for in terms of policy going forward with the potential for a divided Washington returning? Well, you know, we talked a lot about gridlock yesterday. Gridlock is good. Wall Street likes this idea. We're not going to probably see a lot of major pieces of legislation flying out of a divided Congress if, in fact, that's how this lands. But the majority would be so slim in this case for Republicans in the House that there are a lot of questions about whether there's numbers uh, to, to codify same-sex marriage into law, to find an expanded child tax credit. What will happen when it's time to fund the government? Maybe Democrats and Republicans have some motivation here, since no one's going to have a real mandate to actually manage this fiscal cliff before we have to get into that next year. So there are a mm. lot of big questions about the way a Kevin McCarthy, assuming he's the next speaker, would handle right. this. I would still expect a lot of investigations, though, a lot of hearings, uh, probes into the Biden administration. Yeah. Get ready to hear a lot about the Hunter laptop. Well, let's uh, hope you get some rest before Thanks. sound on 5 p.m. Wall Street time, hosted by Bloomberg Washington correspondent Joe Matthew. Joe, thank you. Karen? All right. Sounds good, Nathan. Thank you. 655 on Wall Street. We turn to news and science and technology now with the Bloomberg NJIT STEM report brought to you by New Jersey Institute of Technology. As one of the nation's leading polytechnic universities and a top military friendly school, NJIT supports America's service members and their families. Learn more at njit.edu slash veterans. And here's what's making news in science, technology, engineering and math. Cryptocurrencies are extending declines as Binance's potential takeover of embattled rival exchange FTX highlighted how strains in the digital asset industry are now buffeting some of its top players. The chief executive officer of Binance stunned the crypto world yesterday with an announcement that his firm was moving to take over rival FTX.com, which he said was seeing a liquidity crunch. Mark Carney, the former Bank of England governor and co-chair of the world's biggest climate finance coalition, is urging governments to create frameworks that encourage financial market participants 
emissions to commit to slashing emissions. During a panel discussion at the COP27 climate summit in Egypt, Carney said policymakers should align financial regulation with net zero by making net zero transition plans mandatory. In China, the world's largest iPhone factory will still face COVID restrictions. The city of Shangzhou ended a lockdown in the district where the plant is located. But some areas are still considered high risk, including one where the Foxconn factory is located. The restrictions have led Apple to warn it will ship fewer iPhones than anticipated. And that's the Bloomberg NJIT STEM report. And futures this morning are moving lower. S&P futures are down about eight points right now. Dow futures down 92. And NASDAQ futures down 14. 10-year Treasury little change yield 4.12%. And straight ahead, it is Bloomberg surveillance. They are in Washington, D.C. They'll have much more on the midterm election results. That's Tom Keene, Jonathan Farrow, and Lisa Abramowitz. And for Nathan Hager, I'm Karen Moscow, and this is Bloomberg. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com.